Hey, what it do? Welcome to another new episode of Locked On Bucks. On today's show, the Doc Rivers era begins with the Milwaukee Bucks. Unfortunately, it happened to begin in a 113-107 loss to the Denver Nuggets. Me and Frank are going to discuss first impressions, a game-changing third quarter, plus take a look at how the Bucks' rotation has shifted since Adrian Griffin's dismissal. Did Joe Prunty let us on to something that we'd be starting to see with Doc Rivers? Plus, we'll take a look ahead to Dame's return to Portland. All that and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Bucks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Camille Davis. You can catch me weekly on the Technical File Podcast, as well as Cheesehead TV's Carry the G and MKE. Joining me, longtime voice of the pod and founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. We appreciate you tuning in and thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So Frank, tonight was the very first game under Doc Rivers. Like I mentioned, unfortunately, ended with a six-point loss to the Nuggets. And coming into this game, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty excited to see this era kick off. It's a tough slate of games to come in in the middle of the season and be the head coach for. And pregame, Doc Rivers mentioned the fact that they spent a lot of time during this morning shoot around working on the Dame Giannis two-main game. He also mentioned that they were working on a three-main game, including Chris Middleton. And he mentioned like tonight might be too early to see any of that, but he did make it clear that the team new emphasis is around this particular action. He also mentioned trying to cram in as much of the team's current sets and terminology as he can, but said it's literally impossible to know it all this quickly and said in the near term, transition defense, shot quality, and overall execution were priorities for this Bucks team. So Frank, what were some of your first impressions of the Doc Rivers era, knowing some of the areas that he was looking to tweak, change, and alter for this Bucks team? I mean, I think – high level you look at the outcome of this game kind of a frustrating game in a lot of ways just because i think for the second time in in three games the bucks offense was really ultimately kind of what held them back from being able to get a win we saw it in the second game against cleveland on friday and we saw it again tonight where um it just felt like when the offense really needed to kind of get get a bucket um they just couldn't couldn't quite keep up with the denver offense that was not humming on all cylinders i mean the nuggets shot four of 17 from three tonight. Can you imagine if they, you know, you were told before this game that the Nuggets would shoot four out of 17 from three, you'd say, awesome. we got a great, you know, like I, <laughs> I, I assume we're going to win. Right. Um, but, you know, I think we saw Denver can score without uh, being that reliant on the three ball. And um, Jokic was again, sort of the hub of everything from a creation standpoint offensively. But, you know, I think defensively, it's hard to really complain much. I think they were at a 116 offensive rating, which, is better than what the Bucks typically do by a smidge and certainly below what Denver is normally capable of. So, um, you know, you, I think did a, a pretty good job overall defensively. I know doc talked about that in the post game, you know, that he liked the fight, 
blah, 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 you know, energy effort. I don't think he used that term, thankfully, but, um, but you know, uh, you had a chance to win this game based on what you did defensively. Uh, I thought Brooke Lopez and kind of the team in general did a nice job with Jokic. He scored 25, had a ton of assists, but you know, also took 25 shots with 10 out of 25. And, you know, I thought they had good hands slapping the ball away, um, forcing him into more mistakes than, than maybe you typically see him uh, make. So, um, so you had a chance, you know, and I think, I think in terms of like what we saw, you know, offensively, defensively, and I think Doc admitted after the game, right? It's not like you, know, you alluded to it too here, Camille. Like it's not like there's some huge difference in the way that they played tonight. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. I I didn't really notice that much Damianis pick and roll overall. I thought sometimes we saw it. It was as part of you know kind of the the double high horn screens or double stagger screens, where um, you know it's a little bit you know you, you can kind of lose Giannis in general more. It's harder to get the Giannis the ball in general when he's one of two screeners and it's more about Dame in those scenarios. But, um, you know, they had a really nice start up 17 to six, Chris Middleton hits three jumpers to start. Um, and kind of the offense seemed to be humming right early on. But, uh, um, as the game wore on, I thought, I thought Denver did a great job of gumming up the paint. Um, yeah. you know, being active in passing lanes. Uh, they only had 12 turnovers overall, but I think eight of those came in the third quarter Absolutely. And uh, that was really the quarter that you look back on. They only scored 19 points. And I think what they were down seven going into the fourth after being tied at halftime and just kind of were kind of going uphill thereafter. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you look at your three best players. I don't think any of them had easy nights offensively. Chris got off to the hot start and then was barely kind of noticeable in the second half. Only took three shots and Dame dribbled a lot, but could not really get open looks, could not find. Um, you know, kind of driving lanes that, that he was able to get um, easy shots off of. And so he had, you know, a relatively quiet night and was certainly outplayed by Jamal Murray. So, um, so yeah, I think, again, you know, Denver showed why they're the champs. They didn't have their A game. Part of that was the Bucks, I think, playing uh, better defense than what we've come to expect. Uh, but ultimately, I think Denver won this game with their defense, which, you know, uh, give them credit. Like, usually that's not how you think of them winning, especially against a high octane offense like the Bucks. Absolutely. And to hold that Bucks offense to 107 points, um, that in itself shows what the Denver Nuggets defense was doing because you already mentioned the third quarter as well. That's the quarter where you really start to see things change for the Bucks because as you mentioned, they were up by one after the first quarter, although that first quarter ended with the Nuggets going on a, a run of their own to bring the game closer uh, to that one-point margin. Second quarter, Denver wins it by a point. You're going to have time. Game's all tied up. But in that third quarter, Bucks lose that quarter by seven points, which in theory you might be like, hey, the Bucks can make that up. But again, the margin of error was just very small in this game. The Bucks lost the game by six points. That third quarter is where things change. You mentioned the fact they had eight turnovers in that quarter alone. That comes after playing a pretty clean first half where the Bucks only turned the ball over three times in the entire first half. They had three turnovers in the third quarter with like two or three minutes to go or into the quarter. And then they ended that quarter with eight turnovers. The offense just seemed like they couldn't get anything going in that quarter in particular. And it's not me pointing to say that Bobby Portis was all of that because he wasn't. There were a lot of guys getting some open looks that weren't dropping. But I did notice in particular Bobby Portis, it seemed like in this game, he was really looking for his shot. 
And then you take a look at the box scores and how everything shook out. And you see that Bobby Port has finished the game with 13 shot attempts, tying Dame, tying Brooke for second most on the team this evening. That third quarter, uh, it was not pretty for the Bucks. And as many guys tried to ignite something during that time frame, it just didn't seem like it was it was taken off for him. Yeah, I mean, Bobby's just sort of, I mean, I feel like you know it from his first stretch in a game, like if it's going to be a, a good Bobby night or a bad Bobby night, um, he's either going to be on the ass or he's going to be ass. And, um, you know, unfortunately tonight it was the latter. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm going to try to limit the, the number of times that I say on the ass uh, in this podcast, Camille, because I know nobody <laughs> wants to hear me say that. Um, but Big Bob um, started this game 0 for 10. I guess credit to him. He hits two straight threes in the fourth quarter, early in that fourth quarter as the Bucks kind of will their way back into it. And then he gets another post up and he short arms a mismatch advantage, which, you know, at that point I was like, man, just get him off. I mean, I, I think all of Bucks Twitter was trying to wheel him off the floor well before he hit the two threes. It was just an ugly night. And obviously defensively, it's not like he's, you know, out there contributing defensively. Um, and I thought, you know, it was interesting substitution patterns. Yeah. Uh, Doc admitted after game that, that, you know, he took out Damon Giannis at the 515 mark together of the first quarter. And then after he admitted, like, he shouldn't have taken them both out. Um, but he did talk about it. I thought, which I thought was interesting, basically, that he wants them finishing quarters both because he wants them in there when the Bucks are in the penalty because of their ability to draw fouls and, and get to the free throw line. So that was a little, I think an interesting little bit of insight into the thinking behind some of the rotations. Um, but clearly I think he, you know, came to feel even in within this game that I think you said that the Bucks second unit got crushed in the first half and then they crushed the Nuggets second unit in the second half, two second units, which are much maligned, although yeah. at least the Nuggets have a very young second unit. Uh, whereas the Bucks, obviously, especially now that, uh, the young guys have disappeared since the firing of Adrian Griffin. Um, you know, it's that veteran unit that, you know, is just obviously is not scoring a lot of points. And, you know, when they do, it's because Bobby gets buckets. And when there's no buckets from Bobby, it's ugly. And that's what it was tonight for, you know, with the exception of really that like one minute where he hit those two threes. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it's just tough. Right. And I think a lot of us were probably thinking as it was happening, like, damn, like, is this going to be what we're in store for when it's a road playoff game and Bobby's not, doesn't have the Pfizer crowd. And, you know, he's, he's just going to go into a, uh, these types of struggles. I, I looked it up. I think his splits on the, on the road are like 42, 30, whatever from the free throw line versus at home. It's like 47 and 42% from three. I mean, he's had a huge home road differential this year. And this was probably, you know, the, one of the more extreme examples of that. So, um, I don't, you know, again, this will be one of these things we'll, we'll watch. I think the the rotations, I think, were probably the most obvious difference in terms of what we saw from the Bucks tonight versus other nights. You know, seeing Dame go uh, to the bench uh, in the first quarter for a couple of minutes was, was obviously the most notable thing, just given he's been playing full first quarters and third quarters for quite some time now. Um, and again, we'll see, we'll see kind of what that means, because obviously – you know, you look at the box score, Dame obviously getting outplayed by Jamal Murray pretty soundly. Mm -hmm. That was obviously one of the big themes of the night. And, um, you know, they need Dame to be better, right? Like if you're going to compete at the highest level and compete with teams like Denver, like 
Dame Lillard can't be what he was tonight. I, I thought he competed well defensively. He even had that play where he broke up the alley-oop to Peyton Watson in the kind of last half of the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, overall, five out of 13, 18 points, you know, five assists, four turnovers. Like, you just need more. And unfortunately, like, he just could not create shots for himself tonight. Um, it wasn't just the matter of him not having the ball. Like, I think some people complain about that. But to me, this is just more of, like, he just could not create an advantage. And um, credit the Denver defense. Like, they, again, they, they did what they needed to do. And um, that's that's why they won this game. Yeah, you absolutely. Can't take anything away from what Denver's defense did. And I'm glad that you brought up just the Bucks bench and the rotation. Because like I mentioned, that is something I want to look a little bit closer at because I noticed once Adrian Griffin was gone and Joe Prunty had his three coach games, that it was a lot more vet ball coming off of the bench here. And you didn't see those young guys too much. So once we come back from the break, want to take a closer look at the Bucks bench and the rotation and just get your opinion on how they should go forward up after this. This episode of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by Quiz. Quiz with three eyes is the next generation trivia experience. It is also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for Locked On Bucks fans, they've created an NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. You can play with friends or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. So, for example, I'm going to test your knowledge really quick with some Milwaukee Bucks trivia, okay? Something you might see on quiz could be something like, what is the name of the Bucks mascot? Is it Bucko? Is it Antler? Is it Hornsby? Or is it Bango? And, of course, all the real ones know that it's Bango, the best mascot in the NBA. But you see that? Like, you can answer that question, and you can win some cash from that. You can play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quiz.com and start playing today. NBA Quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. Go to app.quiz.com, again, quiz with three eyes to test your knowledge and win cash today. Quiz, three eyes, just like a three-pointer. Play now, showcase your skills, and take home cash prizes. App.quiz.com, where fans can become champions. You got to love that. We appreciate you for tuning in to Locked On Bucks. Again, a special shout out to all of those of you who listen day in and day out, Monday through Friday, the everydayers. Really appreciate y'all. So if you enjoy what we do here at Locked On Bucks, I got to put you up on Locked On Sports because Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports today keeps you covered with 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day. Is brought to you by all the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows that cover every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, Frank, we mentioned the bench, and Doc was rolling with the vets just like we saw with Prunty. I mentioned that in the month of January before Adrian Griffin was fired that Andre Jackson Jr. was seeing about 16 minutes per game. And since the firing of Adrian Griffin with Prunty coming in and now Doc Rivers coming in, we haven't seen too much of Ajax. We only saw Ajax on the second night of the back-to-back against the Pelicans once Chris Milton was not in the rotation. And it just goes to show that it seems like Prunty and now Doc Rivers is going to be going with a more vet-heavy approach to the bench. And tonight, as we have talked about, 
The Bucks bench did outscore the Nuggets bench, but both of these benches have been talked about uh, throughout the season as not being some of the best that the NBA has. Tonight, the Bucks bench had 22 points. The Denver's bench had uh, 20 points. But yet and still, rolling with the vets. Early on with Griff, it seemed like he was rolling with the vets himself to give them first right of passage. Like, hey, trusting you to go out here and play. Let's see what you can do. As time went on, the young guys started getting a little bit more tick, um, and then they started getting some more playing time. Now, Doc Rivers did mention the fact that he thinks that at least one of the guys, Marjan, Andre, one of these young guys is going to have to contribute at some point, but we haven't seen them on the court yet. And I say yet over this four-game sample size, not just Doc's one game, of course, far too small of a sample size. But are you a fan, Frank, of rolling with the vets, or do you still want to see some of the younger guys in the rotation? I mean, the bench units have been so ineffective that, you know, I don't think you can look at the group that the Bucks have right now and say like, oh yeah, just double down, just just ride that ride that wave to, to a championship. Um, you know, I mean, it's interesting with Pat Connaughton. I mean, he's shooting now, what, 38, 39% from three. He's been over 50% from three in the month of January. And you look at, you know, his plus minus every time he's out there. And it's like minus 10, right? Like, I mean, they've been so bad when Pat's been on the floor. Um, and I'm, I'm a longtime Pat fan. I mean, he, he converted me for life uh, during that championship run. He was so critical. And I was looking at it, you know, when he plays with Damon Giannis, they're plus 10 net rating, right? Like when he's playing with the best players, they're pretty good. But it just feels like anytime the Bucks have to go to, you know, one of their, you know, one of the superstars or, or neither of them, um, that just so often they just let go of the rope and it's just yeah. hard for those lineups to be effective. Um, and, and again, like, you know, the core four are plus 16 net rating together, right? The starting five is plus 15 net rating together. Um, it, it just, they, they've had those combinations work, but when they deviate from that at all, it just seems like things just go downhill very quickly, even though obviously when those, those groups are in, you're, you're playing against other teams, mixed units as well. Um, And Denver again, like famously, you know, Mike Malone loves playing these head bench heavy lineups that get killed and, you know, juice uh, Jokic's net on off ratings every year. Um, But tonight you look at the stats and, you know, Bobby minus 14, Pat minus 11, um, campaign minus seven and Jay Crowder minus nine. You look at the other side, you know, Reggie Jackson was plus 15. Peyton Watson was plus 14. Right. So, uh, so is uh, even the Denver, the, the, even the Denver bench was, was able to really, um, you know, kind of win, win their minutes. So, uh, you know, again, I don't, I don't worry about the bench, like scoring a set number of points. Like I think we talked about this a week or two ago. I don't care that much or, you know, the bench being outscored X to Y, that that doesn't really move me a whole lot because you're not really looking for your bench other than Bobby, really, to be scorers in the first place. Um, I think the question is, can you defend reliably and can your kind of star guys continue to score when those they're out there with those mixed bench units? Um, and that's obviously where kind of things have fallen apart. So, um, you know, I would I would love to see them get some minutes for... Certainly, I think Ajax has probably made the best argument, but even Marjan, mm-hmm. you know, I just worry he's at this point, we saw it a year ago, like he had to play a lot in kind of the October, November timeframe. And then kind of once everybody got healthy, Wes was back, et cetera. Um, 
he didn't play much and we did play it looked like he that looked like he knew he wasn't it didn't matter like that he wasn't going to win himself minutes and i just worry it's going to be kind of the same story here where you know he actually that last houston game was kind of one of the few times like I think it was the last time he played real leverage minutes and he actually made some plays in that game even though they lost and then since then he's just been a garbage time guy and he really has not been good in garbage time either so um so i don't know marjan he feels like you know the guy that they're going to put into a trade at the deadline to me. I think Andre Jackson is the guy that probably is, you know, is the newer, shinier object. I think it's easier to see him sticking as a defensive specialist than at the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how I feel right now, the season as long as we always say, right? It, mm-hmm. I'm sure guys will go in and out of the lineup. Guys will get opportunities. There's going to be injuries, unfortunately, for that reason as well. Um, but certainly to me, it seems like Andre Jackson is far more likely to get run than, um, than Marjan, even though Marjan is, you know, a more kind of normal player, right? He's a, he's a bit less of a weirdo in terms of, um, maybe not quite as good defensively, but fits a kind of more typical profile offensively in terms of his ability to shoot. And I mean, if we came into the season, you told us that Marjan was going to be, you know, 48% overall, 50 something percent on twos, 40% from three. Um, I think he, I think last time I checked, he had like the best, uh, net sort of differential of any of the bench guys. I mean, if you told us that you'd be like, Oh, great. So Marjan like really made a step forward and he probably has become a rotation guy. No, nope. <laughs> you know, happened early in the season and, you know, again, seasons are long, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously right now it feels like he's kind of the odd man out and he's got to, he's got to make his argument for why, why he can get back in. And again, I think looking at where things stand and the vets ahead of him, I feel like it's probably going to require an injury to, to do that. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, if you told me, you know, that one of those guys was going to get traded um, as part of a deal for, you know, a more proven veteran wing, I look at Marjan as kind of like the obvious guy that, that could be shipped out just because again, it feels like Andre's, you know, the more favored guy in house. Yeah. And, Every day is no. I've I've been on Team Marjan for a while now, but he is a young player who I have seen who you can tell when he's feeling confident about his game and when he's not. And the being in and the out of the rotation, I know, has been a little bit more difficult on him. He was interviewed when he was sent down uh, to play with the herd and mentioned like it is it's difficult with the minutes and just not knowing where your playing time is coming from. So uh, with someone like Marjan, you just hope that he is figuring out ways to stay ready, stay engaged with the team, because like you mentioned, it does appear if at this point Andre Jackson Jr. has surpassed him in the rotation. And when I saw that that was the guy who was getting playing time when Chris Middleton was sitting out second night of a back to back, when I saw that Andre has been the guy, you know, getting the minutes, it just made me think like if it's between these two guys, it seems like it's leaning towards Andre Jackson Jr. And it makes me think also something that Giannis said after Chris achieved another award. I forget which award or which record he broke this season. There's been so many, it feels like, with this Bucks team. But Chris, or Giannis mentioned, like, hey, you know, I watch Andre and Marjan. They remind me of a young me and Chris where we're fighting for minutes in practice because we know that we're going up against each other. And Bucks fans who came on a little bit later might be confused as to why Chris and Giannis were fighting over minutes. But when they were younger on this team, that's where they were slotted at the same position there. And they were fighting over those minutes, not saying that Andre and Marjan are the next Giannis and Chris, but just pointing out the fact that the minutes are competitive, you know, and, and they're going at it in practice. And right now it does seem like Andre has gotten the, the advantage over more playing time right now, but 
I, like you, would love to see more Andre Jackson Jr. in the game. Was interested seeing campaign getting more regular rotation for a while there with Griff. It seemed like he was going the non-campaign route and just having Chris or Giannis or whatever other guard might have been in the game at the time initiating the offense instead. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to unfold. And of course, the Bucks' next game on Wednesday happens to be Dame's return to Portland, which is going to be um, what I would guess an emotional experience for Dame. So before we get out of here, let's dive into that next. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are some things that you want to keep the same about yourself or your life as we continue into the year of 2024? Where are you already crushing it at? Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and now you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strength so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. Because listen, life be lifing. And sometimes you just need someone to talk to to help empower you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Plus, it's designed to be flexible, convenient, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if your first match isn't the right fit for you. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks, judging the halftime show, and placing some super bets. And even though my favorite team, the Green Bay Packers, are not playing next week, and although I spent the entire conference championship weekend thinking, dang, that could have been us, should have been us, wish it was us, but it wasn't. Luckily, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end your season with a dub or two or three. And I need me some wins after watching the Packers lose and then watching the the Niners and the Lions, and I'm just like, anyways, not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, But FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and a lot more. So new customers, if you join today, you will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports partner of the NFL. Frank, okay, on Wednesday, the Bucks are going to look to get back into the win column when they head to Portland. This will be Dame's return, the only return this season to Portland since the big trade over the summer. And when Dame and had Portland coming to town into Milwaukee, he mentioned like, you know, it was cool seeing some guys, but it's not going to truly hit me, I know, until I go back to Portland. And although some of the faces on the team have changed, not as many guys that he might have played with, uh, still going back to that same arena, being in the same city, should stir up a lot of emotion. So what are you looking forward to seeing with Dame's homecoming return to Portland? Um, I mean, hopefully a win that doesn't feature a lot of drama uh, would be nice. First time we saw these two teams, 
it was way more difficult than the Bucks would have liked yeah. going to what, what were they down? 24 points, 25 points, 26 points? 26 or 27, I think, yeah. Yeah, it was a huge deficit in that first game that they had to overcome. And again, exciting game, yada, yada. Uh, but, um, you know, made it way harder on themselves than they needed to. And I thought Dame looked like he had a little bit of nerves early on. And, um, you know, again, a night like tonight, um, I think it's just going to underscore some of the questions around, hey, Dame, like, where's the consistency? You know, we need you to kind of rise to the occasion. You know, you just being kind of the once once a week uh, play really well. And then, you know, the other the other game or two, uh, you're kind of, eh, you know, only OK. Like, um, again, if this is just like a regular season thing, that's one thing. But I mean. Bucks need to win some regular season games to get a, a seed that's going to position themselves to the playoffs too. Um, and unfortunately tonight it felt, you know, kind of again, like, you know, they were over reliant on Giannis who did not have his best game either. So, you know, again, um, I'm, I'm a Giannis stand from, from kind of the jump. Uh, but, you know, if ever I'm going to be happy to see Dame go out and kind of lead the way and get his, certainly uh, a homecoming game in Portland would be one of them. So, you know, he's had a, tough month of January. So mm-hmm. I don't really care who he's playing against. I just want to see him start to kind of play better, um, start to see the ball go through the hoop. Uh, and again, you know, like uh, we're 40 some games in at this point. So, um, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, most important thing is his health. But I think that's been in pretty good shape this year. So now I think it's about him just getting into more of a rhythm and Again, I, I don't have a lot of sympathy. You know, I feel like some people, you know, always want to make excuses like, oh, he doesn't get the ball enough and the ball needs to be in his hands, et cetera, et cetera. Look, man, like he's the point guard. Like he's going to touch the ball more than anybody else. If somehow like Giannis initiating at times throws him off to the point that he can't be effective, like what are we doing here, right? Like I, I just don't buy that excuse. And so – you know, for me, I think Dame's a guy that he's just got to step up and be better here in the second half of the season. And um, you've got him to be great in the playoffs, so we're not going to know in, until we're there in that regard. Uh, but I think everybody would feel better if he was just a bit more consistent night tonight. Yeah, maybe playing back in Portland is a game that can can spark that change for Dame. During the last game against Portland, as we mentioned, Dame was 7-21 from the field. That includes being 4-12 from three. He finished the game with 31 points. He was 13-14 from the free throw line. So, yeah, if we could see a vintage Dame performance in Portland, I would love to see it. It's a late game, 9 p.m. It is nationally televised. It will be on ESPN as well. Um, final game between these two franchises of the season. And I know it's going to be emotional for Dame. I'm sure there's going to be the tribute video and a lot going on with that. So I do hope that he'll be able to focus and the Bucs can get a win out of this. But one thing I do like about this scheduling court here is that after the Bucs play in Portland on Wednesday, uh, they don't play again until Saturday. So one, they'll have some time. Well, Dame will have some time to come down off of the emotional high of returning to Portland after spending most of his career there outside of this season in Milwaukee. And on top of that, too, having a few days off in between these games is going to give this team a chance to to get together and practice some of the new things that Doc wants to implement. So at least there will be a couple of days here in the season kind of built in for the team to get together, go over things, and try to continue to implement some of the changes that the new head coaching staff here has. 
um, as we move forward and head towards the trade deadline, which is coming up quickly for this Milwaukee Bucks team. And then next thing you know, it is going to be all-star weekend. So a lot coming up here for the Bucks. Uh, looking to have a crossover episode with Locked On Trailblazers ahead of the Portland game. So be on the lookout for that. And I would like to remind everybody as well, make sure that you checked out Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. That'll do it for us here tonight. Let us know in the comments some of your first early impressions of the Doc Rivers era as we get kicked off here. Again, Bucks lost tonight to the Nuggets 113-107, but they're back at it again on Wednesday in Portland. Should be a lot of fun. So we'll talk to you soon. Hey Camille, can we can we give a shout out to uh, Brooke Lopez? To, I, oh, I don't absolutely. know if you mentioned. I don't Brooke know if you mentioned. I don't know if you mentioned Brooke Lopez. I saw a couple of people. Brooke missed a long three, I think midway through the fourth quarter or something, and people were like Brooke Lopez shooting too many threes again. Hey, he was five out of nine. He hit a huge three to make it ninety eight ninety seven. Defended Jokic well. Um, you know, he hasn't had the best season offensively this year, but I thought he was pretty important. And uh, you know, I thought they. Doc could have done a better job kind of staggering him with Jokic, just kind of matching his minutes in the first half rather than, I mean, Bobby played like 15 minutes in the first half, which was too much given the way Bobby played. So shout out to Brooke Lopez. I always think of Denver. Remember that first season he was in Milwaukee? He had, it was like the original Splash Mountain night. He had a night where he was unconscious from three in Denver in the 1819 season. And he dialed back a little bit of that tonight. So um, shout out to Brooke, big fellow. Yeah. We to that point, it. I know there are people who do complain about the long threes from Brooke. I don't mind him when he's set because yeah. I know he it, it's when he's doing like those moving threes or he's oh. not setting, he's just flinging it up. Those I'm not a fan yeah. of. But when he's set, go ahead, let it fly, Brooke. I mean, against the, the uh, Pelicans, he hit like six of them. Tonight he comes back, he hits five. Let that man shoot. Let him be Splash Mountain. That's how I feel about it. But on that note, after giving Brooke some love, which was much deserved, uh, we're going to get out of here. So we'll catch you guys later.